Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and t shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hello, my name is Gary Mansfield, and this is the Ministry of Arts podcast, where each week I'll be speaking to a different artist. Now let's begin by bagging these bongos. Hello and welcome to the first proper episode of 2024. We've all got to get used to putting that four now, haven't we? Scrubbing out the three and adding a four. So yeah, last week's episode was just a rundown of every guest that we've had on the podcast throughout 2023. All absolutely amazing in their own right. And if you've got anyone you think you might like to have guest on the podcast this year, just get in touch. The easiest way to do so is via Instagram, which is Ministry of Arts Org, or myself personally, Mizogar, M-I-Z-O-G-A-R-T. And as is our tagline, we are possibly the most accessible art podcast in the world. So wherever the artist is on the rung of the artistic ladder, we do not care. We're just after the story behind the artist that creates the work. But straight in with episode 242, Sarah Prinsley. I've known of Sarah's work for some time. I knew she had an amazing story and I knew she was a big advocate for art in the working classes. Both Sarah and I in this episode ask each other a lot of questions about our position within the working class status, if you like. And I think at some points in this conversation, we even unravel a few things about ourselves that we didn't even know in the first place. We make a few little discoveries about our own personality. But yeah, this episode is an ideal episode to kick off the new year. I'm going to keep this intro short, so please let me introduce you to Miss Sarah Prinsley. Hello! Ooh. 
Hello. Like each other. Yeah. <laughs> that was funny. <laughs> oh, how's things? You good? Yeah, not bad now. How are oh, you? Yeah, don't you good? I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, I've been running around like crazy this morning. Just jumped oh. out the shower, so my hair's still wet, but yeah. Oh, bless. That's, that looks like a good room you're in. My artwork that I collect, uh, all my friends and stuff, I like to buy a piece of artwork off most of them, so that's kind of the wall we bang it on, but yeah. Yeah, nice. Sarah Prinsley, there is several questions I ask each guest, and the mm. first being, how would you explain what you do to someone that didn't know your work? Okay. Um, I would describe my artwork um, as a self-reflected body of work. It's me trying to understand who I am and visually representing that through a whole variety of work from 2D to 3D. I explore mental health, grief. Um, I also dive into kind of being a working class artist and the issues that 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 may may bring up not as an artist just as a working class person kind of being skin and growing up in an environment where you know it's a little bit tougher and I feel like you have to fight that little bit harder to break through in the art world um but also the problematic issues that that brings up like alcohol and drugs has been a big one for me how that in turn may impact how you deal with certain situations like grief, like trauma. Um, I know for me personally, I kind of always go straight back into self-destructive mode, drink, all that kind of thing. And it's really unhealthy. And I guess my artwork is just trying to figure out these points in my life of what makes me turn to certain um uh, reckless kind of attitudes and does that have something to do with being working class is that a massive part of it I feel like it is personally um, but my artwork uses a lot of text it I get influenced a lot from music um, films they're they're probably my biggest influence more than artwork and I know that that sounds terrible but it, it seems to be this emotional connection I have with words and and I love the fact that music brings you um, a video image along with sound and how those two things together can provoke so much emotion to a person. And I guess that's probably why I like film as well. It's a similar thing. So, yeah, I guess it, it's it's massively to do with emotions and me trying to sort my head out. <laughs> Other than the drink and drugs, um, yeah, that sounded like my own bio. And with your drink and drugs, was that just overuse or was it addiction of either? Um, I think it was overuse. Um, there were times it got a little bit scary and dark. I would say I used it regularly when I was younger I started from a really early age. I think I was about 16 and um, you know, I smoked crack. Like it's it's real, it's horrendous now when I look back on it. You know, I think I've got my own kids and I'm trying to bring them up and they're not much younger than my age when I was yeah, a complete yeah. disaster. Um, but 
I mean, I stopped when I found, when I started a relationship with my husband and then had children. So, you know, it wasn't an addiction that I had to seek help for at all, but it was, it was just something I did on a regular basis. They just said there that there was two things that made you stop meeting your husband and having children. Did you stop when you met him or was it when you had children or a bit of both? It was when I had children. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah for sure. And he had two older children. So I knew, I knew it was coming. I knew I had to control that at some point, you know, but I, I still was partying pretty hard at that point. Yeah. When I met him, but it, I knew it was something that I had to do at some point. Yeah. And was he the type of person who would use that lifestyle as well? Yes and no. So weekends, but never, he never had that extreme that I have where I was always the person that went over the top. Oh, so he sort of let his hair down and you... And I just went stupid. (laughs) Yeah, so he was the one trying to rein you in most weekends, I presume. Yeah. And it's still like that, even though there's not <laughs> there's not drinking drugs about, it's still, you know, he has to rein me in quite often. I think it's my personality. I've just got that personality where I hit things really hard. I go, I go to the extreme, for yeah. sure. And I think it helps with my confidence as well, or the drinking yeah. drugs and stuff like that, yeah. And as you say, it's, it's where you're very probably a strong emotional person and them emotions are a little bit, too strong for you to handle so you do need an, yeah. an outlet for them yeah I've been I've been there myself so yeah, where was yeah. growing up um so I grew up in a little village called Hadfield it's on the outskirts of Manchester I wouldn't say it held many opportunities for kids my age um I visit back there now I'm in Sheffield now so I'm only about 45 minutes away and I go back and you know a lot of the people my age that have now grown up, there's people that are still on it. There's people that are coming out of rehab. You know, it's uh, it seems to be one of those villages where there's a lot of drugs. And yeah. I think people underestimate villages sometimes. You know, it's a short um, little trip from Manchester, but it's 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 a beautiful place. It's You can see all the Peak District from there. It's gorgeous, but... I think it does have its troubles. Ooh, my headphones are just falling out. <laughs> but the thing with the village life is, as you say, it's as rife there per capita as it is in the in the city. But it's, mm. it's mainly down to boredom and lack of anything for the kids to do, you know? A hundred percent. The youth centres have shut there. You know, the support for the community. Pubs are shutting. Pubs, I see pubs as kind of like... Um, a youth centre for adults. There's somewhere where you can like just yeah. vent yourself. You could go there. I've always been a person who's been in, in pubs. I've worked in pubs. I love the pub life. I love the characters you meet there and the conversations are incredible sometimes. And it was funny um, where we used to go to the pub and where I used to work, Sean Ryder from the Happy Mondays used to live around the corner. So he used to come in quite a lot. And this was before he sorted himself out. So he was still a bit of a, of a nutter and he used to come in and cause chaos i remember once yeah. he tried to he tried to fly kick the barmaid once <laughs> <laughs> it was crazy but yeah lots of lots of characters but lots of really talented people as well yeah. lots of musicians you know when it's a lock in it in the evening people would get the guitars out fiddles out whatever it was nice. oh, it's just 
but they're not like that anymore. They've died down. Yeah. You know, I go in the same pub now and it's dead. Then you're yeah. just like, oh, all the characters gone, you know? Yeah, they've, they've sort of divided and conquered the government, haven't they, on the um, socialising front? Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, it's not good. Was there creativity in the home growing up? Oh, bags of it. Bags of it. Um, Brilliant. So my dad was in a band, musician. He plays bass. He plays acoustic. Um, my mum, her house is crazy. If you walk into it, it's kind of like an Aladdin's cave. There's just artwork everywhere. Um, there was always, I can remember growing up as a kid, that she always used to have pictures of uh, Renaissance paintings all over the place. And she used to like quiz us on them and ask us questions growing up. Um, but when I was younger, my mum had some serious mental health issues. So she used to go to this art therapy session once a week. And she used to come back with these most uh, crazy paintings ever. They they were really dark and yeah. oh god i remember being quite scared of them um um but they they helped the art therapy helped her a lot yes. a lot um and my dad's kind of always been good at like graphic design sort of aspects of things he used to work in a print center but it was when the print centers were like metal letters yeah, that yeah, used yeah, to yeah. stamp and you had to i used to be fascinated it but fascinated by the whole process of it you know laying out all the letters you can't delete <laughs> there's no. no you know you've got one chance to get it right I was always fascinated by that yeah but a very creative house for sure it's I, I'm thankful for them for that I feel like they've gifted me some creative outlook on life we're all a very emotional family and really outspoken with our emotions as well yeah. I think that's where I get it from and was there siblings Yep, so older sister, Candy, um, and two younger, um, a brother and sister. So there was a 10-year age gap. So me and my older sister were like best mates, really close. Um, and we confided in each other. We, I moved out of home at 16. I was at her house all the time. Um, she was pregnant really young, so I used to help with a kid and all that type of thing. And then... By the time I moved to London, so by the time I moved to London, my brother and sister were real little and growing up then, so I kind of missed out on them growing up. At what age did you go down to London? Uh, 22, I think. Um, I got a place at St Martin's, Byamshaw. Oh, nice. My college teacher said to me, oh, why don't you apply for university? And I can remember being like, what? People like us don't go to uni. Like, why would I go to uni? I'm skinned. I haven't got any money. Like, yeah. <laughs> and then she was like, no, you get a student loan. And it's like this whole world had opened up. I was like, what? You get a student loan? Oh, my God. Yeah, of course I'm going to do that. Um, so I applied, but I deferred my place a year because I wanted to go traveling. So I thought, oh, they won't accept me because they think I'm taking the piss because I want to defer it. So in my head, I was thinking I'll do the interview again next year. Yeah. Uh, but I got the place. So I was just like, fuck it, hell. Brilliant. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah, I was buzzing. I was buzzing. But I remember it being um, a huge culture shock. What I was wouldn't... coming to London or going to uni or both? Both, both, 100% both. So, you know, I'd never really been around people of wealth before. That was a huge shock. 
had a lot of arguments with the girls. Um, there was a lot of people I didn't like there. I think I got, I remember getting into some scraps, um, pissed up and just being a complete idiot, basically. Yeah, I yeah. feel like I totally, I didn't take my education seriously or my studies seriously because I was too busy trying to figure out what this new environment was in and feeling really um, self-conscious and feeling really crap about, about myself because I felt like I've got to prove myself more than anybody else because I'm common and I'm working class and I'm not as well educated as these other people. So I've, I found my friends once I was there, I found a little crew of people. Um, and interestingly enough, we all had different backgrounds, whether they were wealthier or not. It, but it was just people that didn't look down on me, that made me feel comfortable around them. And they're some of my best mates and I love them and I still see go to see them. You know, they're the most amazing people ever. Now, on reflection, Sarah, do you think that was the case or did you just have a chip on your shoulder? Definitely a huge chip on my shoulder. Yeah. Definitely. Um, angry. And anger comes up in my work a lot. Um, and this this stems, this this all then turns into the reckless behaviour because I feel intimidated by it. I, I feel unworthy. Um, it makes me just feel this, this big and I still have that to this day. And it's this thing I'm trying to work through. And I watched this show the other day, a live show, um, by Grace of Perry, and it was a show all about you. And he was talking about like trying to figure out who you are and 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 all these different things. But he said this one thing: he's like, going angry, come out happy. And I was thinking about it for ages, and I thought, God, I'm still so somewhere in the middle. I wish I could be like look so positive on on things now but I still have this little niggling chip on my shoulder that I just can't get rid of and I feel dead guilty about it right now would you say that you can't get rid of it or you don't want to let it go oh <laughs> yeah that's interesting I guess it's who I am I guess that chip on my shoulder is who I am and maybe if I didn't have that chip on my shoulder I wouldn't have anything to say in my artwork as well. <laughs> yeah. It's funny, isn't it? See, I work in education and I work at a university. Um, and You're I tech, feel right? a, a technician, yeah. Yeah, so technician for um, architecture students. So right. it's but like they um, were always the in-between, weren't they, for the for, for the tutor? They they were like the shop steward for the... Yeah, yeah. For the... Um, student and the tutor they were the in-betweens yeah and I feel like technicians um deserve to be valued a little bit more because it's a lot okay. of the time that they spend more time with the students actually you know trying to figure things out and create things or whatnot um so I used to be a technician in a college in an art department but now I'm in um Sheffield University um in the architecture department <laughs> Yeah, I feel um, at a technician level as well. I feel comfortable as a technician. I couldn't, I gave teaching a go for a little while and it just didn't feel right with me. It just didn't, I didn't feel worthy of that position. 
that's your fucking chip on your shoulder, isn't it? Holding your back. Mine's exactly the same. Holds me back all the time. In what sense does it hold you back, do you think? Pretty much the same as what you're saying. You are worthy of being that shooter. Mm. Mm. But you don't think you are. You think you're getting above yourself, which is a fucking working class. Well, I'm presuming that's what you think. There's a working Uh, class thing where we're afraid that someone's going to go, oh, how are you getting above your station with your BA? Or have you got an MA? I've got an MA, yeah. Oh, oh, oh you. I've only got a BA. All right, sitting there giving it the big one. But that's the attitude that we think we're going to get. It's like you just talking about that MA, then uh, getting an MA, and uh, it's kind of like, yeah, MA. Exactly. Um, You're ashamed of it Because it's not <laughs> it meant to be from someone, a working-class person in a village ain't supposed to have that MA. No. Working-class need a, a really... We need a healthy spotlight in the art world, don't we? And yeah. especially think female working class artists. Um, I think there's more male representation. I'd like to see a bit more female. Well, the one that comes yeah. to light. To, sorry, the one that comes to mind for me all the time is Sarah Lucas. Yeah, because she yeah, was just sure. no nonsense, no bullshit. If you don't like it, fuck off. Yeah, she's great. You know, yeah, she's for big, sure. She's bold. She's brash. And couldn't give a toss about anyone's opinion. I love it. I love it. See, I wish I I could not give a toss about every everyone's opinions, but it's still the oh, thing. But you like, don't. Yeah. No, that's the thing, Sarah. From what I see about your work, you don't give a fuck about people's opinions. But you you're so hit up on your own opinion of yourself that you won't let yeah. yourself grow. And I'm exactly the same. Ooh. Oh, it's like a therapy session, this, isn't it? <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> No, it's good. It's good. It's good. It's good for sure. Because the and art world like, ain't holding your back and posh people aren't no. holding your back. Educated no. people aren't holding your back. Oh. Yeah, it's, it's you, isn't it? And I'm the same. I've started this podcast for many reasons. One mm. of them was there wasn't enough voices of, not, not Cockney or Southern or anything like that, but a working class yeah. voice and attitude mainly mm-hmm. in the mm-hmm. art world. I thought, well, if no one's going to do it, I'll do it. I won't make a big fucking song and dance out of it. But what mm-hmm. I adore is when someone who feels like they can't be part of the art world because they come from a council estate or a one-parent family, or but I can be that Malcolm Morley in my head, and they go, fucking hell, if that ex-criminal, cockney, whatever, can have yeah. his own podcast yeah. and speak freely to someone at the bottom of the ladder or the top of the ladder... Yeah, then, yeah. Then that's for me, you know, that world can be for me. And I guess it makes people kind of like myself more comfortable speaking to you right now and influenced by what you're doing as well. But yeah, definitely knowing that other people are achieving things like that then only builds this momentum for other people to have a go as well from working class backgrounds. Yeah, I've actually just wrote um, an essay it should be coming out soon on my website not quite sure how I'm going to put it out there but it's all like this self-reflective um, discussion of being working class of like reckless behavior anarchy grief all this all this sort of thing and at the end when I'm trying to sum things up there's still all this anger and I'm, st- I'm trying to discuss this anger and I'm just like oh for god's sake this anger's doing my head and I feel like Right, uh, putting together a written piece of work, a, a body of of written context is is only empowered my artwork that I'm making as well, and 
kind of clarified to me what I'm trying to do in my head and it, it's it's definitely made my work stronger is that essay to inform other people of how you think or or is it for you to try and understand was, how you think it was both so at first I was thinking right why are people actually gonna look at my artwork like so for instance if you share a picture on Instagram you post it and it's gone might see it they'll forget about it next week or whatever but people need to know the story and the reason right so I started kind of putting together a little written piece but it was it was starting to be more like um like my life story and then it then it transformed into something else so I was like you know what it's almost like a sob story. I don't want this. Like, this is not what it's about. I, I found it was always like negative, negative, negative. I was like, you know what? Scrap all this. I'm, I'm still going to have aspects of that in my written piece, but it's not going to be the forefront of it. The forefront is trying to analyse that behaviour and why it may be there in the first place and how we can have healthy discussions about these things of um working class and recklessness and and whatnot and then it just became really interesting so i'm part of the working class creative database um they're absolutely amazing uh oh they're they're just fantastic they're a great bunch of people yeah working class creative database so you can submit to be put on their website as an artist and, and whatnot but you join a whatsapp group and they send you opportunities they are a lot of them are in london but there's a few popping up in leeds and sheffield um but what it's great for i wrote this essay i'm not amazing at writing never have been you know i messed up at school big time so <laughs> that doesn't help um but i sent a few, couple of people in there a copy and they read it and they gave, they gave me so much um, insightful feedback that just made me think of things a little bit differently. So I grammar checked the whole thing. I was like, ah, oh, this is sick. <laughs> I was like, wicked. But yeah, great bunch of people if you want to check them out. I did an exhibition with them in Archway, I think about two years ago. Um, it was called Pure Class. And it was, oh, the the work there was outstanding. It was brilliant. We just managed to find an empty warehouse um and we put all the the people who owned it let us use it for a week and we put a load of work up and it was brilliant i think jeremy corbyn turned up as well (laughs) it was ace yeah right how do you define the word skint is it just no money or is it poor um i'm skint what does that represent i guess a big one for me personally what it makes me i guess it's different for different people skint is it depends what kind of level you're at you know, if you haven't got a job being skint, I guess would be a bit more drastic to what I feel skint is. So um, for me, paying my bills, for instance, is always a massive worry. When I get paid, I stress more than when I've got no money. Because as long as my bills are paid, like I could do the rest of the month with no money, that's fine. As long as there's a bit of food in, it's all good. But when I have money, it stresses me out more. I don't like having it. And and, and trying to organise that 
and you know have i got enough money to pay all my bills this month yeah that causes a lot of anxiety i am in a better place than i was say 10 years ago but i've never been wealthy i couldn't even imagine being wealthy i could i couldn't even i'd probably feel i'd probably go into another kind of mental state of guilt then and i'd probably hate it because i'll feel really guilty <laughs> i don't think i could cope with it so a lottery win would push you over the edge you reckon i don't know it'd be interesting to find out it'd be nice to find out <laughs> yeah of course <laughs> and and what are you doing with the i'm skin artwork it was i saw it as a banner it I've looked done like kind a protest of... board more or less didn't it you know that's exactly what it's supposed to be. Oh, so it's a go. whole series saying different things and it's almost like they're a picket. They all relate to working class kind of uh, backgrounds, but um, current current times as well. So We're Fucked is the one that I'm kind of getting out there at the minute. But it was funny because I was in my garden and my son's taking a picture of me and I'm there in a dressing gown and my sliders kind of holding the thing. But... <laughs> That's what I want it to be. I want it to be real life. I don't want to be like brushing my hair, putting my makeup on to have it because it's not, it's not what it's about. This is like raw, honest work. That's exact. And I have to represent that in the yeah. way that the work does as well. Um, so he's taken a picture of me. And then what I've done is I've cut that out and I've been putting myself in different backgrounds. Yeah. Um, so I kind of did the hospital. I've done... Um, I did the supermarket going on about kind of how pubs are shutting down and the the whole thing with supermarkets and the cost of living and whatnot. But it, I'm finding it really interesting using these in, as soon as you put that piece of artwork in a different environment, it says it conveys it a, a completely thing, yeah. different message. Yeah, for sure. So, so I'm having fun playing around with it. How would you be about taking just the I'm Skint banner and finding, um, a protest and putting it amongst that. I like that idea. I like it. I like so it's it. Not, it's not you being put in that environment. It's your theory being put in that environment. Yes. And I'm really getting into these Instagram, uh, Instagram reels at the minute. And this ties in with my love for visual imagery and music and how you know, you make a reel on Instagram, you kind of got your video, but it doesn't really mean anything until the music goes with it and then it turns into something else. So I've been like collaging all these different things in my reels that then tie in with what I'm trying to say. So it'll flash on every couple of seconds, me holding my side saying, we're fucked, we're fucked, we're fucked. And then it'll be like so the Sunak thing that he was saying that was just absolutely ridiculous about the trans community and all these, just all this fucked up stuff that's happening, but then also little hints of um, me as a person in there as well. And it's almost making like, I really like them. I, I, I'm really getting into it. There's something about that, that kind of moving image and music and yeah. I asked your definition of skin earlier because mm. you know we all put it down as just not enough money. Mm-hmm. I mean, skint doesn't have to be financial. It could be morally skint. You know, like the, yes. I see the conservatives of, of being completely poor in their moralistic outlook at society at the moment. So they could be skint of morals, although they've got, uh, you know, all the money that they want, you know? Yeah, I like that. I really like that idea. 
Oh, that's that's one of them that I'm going to sit there this evening and that's going to be turning in my head. And <laughs> I'll probably be like, something else will be born out of that, I'm sure. Yeah, really, I really like that thought. Well, which piece that you've created do you think has got the strongest emotional connection? There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Ooh. Oh, that's so hard. So I've got um, a whole new series that I've made and I'm slowly releasing those out to the world. Which are? <sighs> or are they a secret? They're, so they're pickets. So lots of lots of the same A1 pickets. Um, got canvases. I've done this whole spin on Art Nouveau, classic, overpopulated kind of imagery. And I've dragged it through current times and turned these, I call them trashy ladies, into kind of aspects of myself. And they have subtle hints of like low social class status and kind of carrier bags and cheap cider and rats running around and things like that. I've really enjoyed them. But I think the pickets are, are, are really conveying what I'm all about. And it's so simple. It's that like they're ink. It's just scrawled ink. But words have such a powerful reaction to me. If I hear something in a song or if somebody said said something that I really like, I'll home in on it for, for weeks and weeks and weeks and I'll get emotionally charged by those words. And as soon as you put those words onto a piece of paper, your audience may get a totally different idea of what your work is about. So it it opens up this kind of worm. So like, oh, so musicians um, such as the idols, um, I've taken some words from them. I don't know if you know them. They're kind of like a punk yeah. kind of work. They, they've done loads of songs about being working class and, and, um, they did Small Town Village, which I related to a lot. It's going on about like um, uh, characters that you'll find in a pub. And it was kind of, it it kind of dumbed them down a bit, actually. So there's another band called Sleaford Mods. And their music's similar, but they accused the idols of classism because Jason from the Sleaford Mods was actually, hold on a minute, you're not even working class. And then it opened up this kind of words. Everyone's like, oh, 
Oh, he's only working class. He's calling us stupid. So like the people that he was once rallying with turned against him in a way. It was just like, oh, so you can be careful. Of... About the sex pistols, Sarah, because oh, you know, really? a couple of those were, were very middle class. Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. So I guess it's this thing that if you're in the limelight, people are open to attack you for of things, course, aren't yeah. they, I suppose. Yeah. But it puts into context, like, it's really important how you deliver something. And I guess, you know, if you deliver it wrong, in the wrong context, it can have consequences. I'm trying to figure out what I'm trying to say. And I guess that's where this written work comes in to back up exactly who I am and what I'm trying to do. So I guess it's trying to deliver them in a way so people understand the message of of what they are. So I I'm skint is probably the one that that has has a lot of ties with me personally. So I think that's that's one that I feel strongly about, but I feel like I have to explain it because it could be not understood. Not yeah. like I don't know. Don't know. Not really answering it's, that question well, am I? <laughs> you're saying that, that your skin, I mean, if you found the actual definition in the dictionary of skin and put I'm and then the definition, it'd still say the same thing, but it'd appeal to a completely different person, wouldn't it? It so would. I've got to see what the definition of skin is in a dictionary. Do it. Because if and you... I, I think it is a start of something. I think there's more to come from this. I feel like I'm only just beginning with it. Because at the moment, you're looking from a working class perspective. You know, you, you're, you're opening yourself up to the world to say, this is what I am. Or yeah. this is what yeah. people like me are. Yeah. But yeah. that might not necessarily be true. That might just be in there. You think you're skin, but you're possibly yeah. not, you know. I mean, your Ooh. skin compared to someone else's skin is a different thing altogether, isn't it? Exactly. Like skin definition. Having little or no money available. I like that, yeah. And what does it mean by available? You know what I mean? Does that mean extra? I mean, taking it one step further is if you was to put I'm brassic, which is the, the slang for skin, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, so then yeah, that, yeah. That takes it one step even more into the working class realms. Yes, I love it. I'd always say to my mates, they'd be like, "Oh, you're coming to the pub," and I'd be like, "Nah, I'm skint," and they'd be like, "Nah, come on," and you'll go, "Nah, I'm I'm skint, skint." Yeah. <laughs> that means that means something completely different. That means you're on your ass. Yeah. Nah, I'm skint, skint, like that. Nah, and they'll go, "Oh, right, okay, no worries." <laughs> yeah, and we all and we all know what that is. Would you ever be able to let go of anger as an artist? Can you still, okay. would you still be able to say as much if you wasn't as angry? <laughs> I, it... I feel like I want to let go of my anger. I feel like it is a huge hindrance, but then it also serves me something to talk about using creativity but i'm sure if that anger wasn't there i still have something to say i've always got something to say <laughs> because i found talking about myself when i left uni 
and or when I started out as being an artist, I would talk about me being the prisoner. Mm. And mm. then I don't know at what point it changed when I spoke about we are prisoners. And I, as I say, I don't know at what point that changed, but that mm. felt like I'd grown up a little bit, you know. Yeah, art changes and it grows and and you discover all these different points in your life and how your behavior changes. And I remember someone saying to me once, they were like, why don't you just write something nice? <laughs> and I was like, uh, because I can't. Because <laughs> so I've got nothing nice to say, that's why. And I do feel like my recent body of work has, has highlighted just how negative I I am or have been, but I do feel like it's changing. I do. And I can't say it's changing into something like Grace Perry said, something happy and nice. And I don't think it's changing into that. I think it's changing the way I think about things. You know, it's not all about me. It's about something way bigger than that. You know, yeah, I could go on about how I'm skint and I'm working class, but the issue is so much bigger and that's where the discussion is you know there's other people in the same boat and it's collectively together we share our experiences but it flags up issues in society um that maybe we need to discuss more yeah there's so much to say isn't there at the moment about um finances and and class and and money and whatnot the the country just seems to be fucked in a minute, doesn't it? It's just, I always worried about my kids and what the future is going to look like. And well, if you don't it... mind me saying, there's, there's fuck all you can do to change that. So Yeah, no, I've got no control that. over that. Yeah, yeah what That's will be, it. will be, I'm afraid. Hey, it's funny, I was having this conversation uh, with my dad, actually. He, so I was going, talking about working class or whatever. He goes... I'm not working class. And I'm like, what? <laughs> and I was dead confused. I'm like, what? But I've looked back on how our lives have changed, and especially my, like my mum and dad's. So we were skint on a council estate. Um, and me and my older sister had a totally different experience growing up as my younger siblings. And that was because of a few things. My granddad passed away at some point and there was money left to the family and whatnot. So from that, my parents then bought a house and it wasn't a council house. They moved off to council estate and bought a house. Um, my dad at some point didn't work in a print factory or on a factory floor. He now is a director of a factory and it's changed everything. And I like because I left home really early to escape I, because you it left was just home fucked. during the working class years. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> I was trying to escape home as much as possible because it was shit. It it wasn't nice. Um, you know, my mum was struggling. Like, you know, it it wasn't a nice environment. We had lots of nice times. I don't want my mum to be listening to this. Like, yeah, great. Um, but it was difficult, and because it isn't anymore. They, like, what I'm trying to say is, at what point does class change and can it change? Can you change class? 
because I've got a steady job now, can I still say I'm working class? But I'm like, damn right, I can. I know my roots. I know like what who I am for sure. But my dad can't get his head around it. He's like, no, I'm not working class. And I'm like, <laughs> wow. we have so many rows about it. <laughs> it's a funny old world when you're trying to categorize. I think because, you know, it used to be simple, didn't it? It used to be like working class, middle class, upper class. But now, because of the internet age, jobs have changed. Yeah. You can be at home and be a YouTuber and earning thousands of pounds. And, uh, you know, is it your job that defines your class? It, you know, I don't know. No, so, it... no I don't think it's. I think it's your, your attitude and your outlook. Yes. Because on my council estate, when I was kids, uh, when I was kids, when I was a kid, <laughs> there yeah. was people on there who would go to the theatre who yeah. would have their kids come in and read, you know, that is a different outlook. And they were a bit different from the rest of us scallywags who were running around <laughs> doing whatever we were doing, you know. And it's funny you mentioned the theatre as well, how, you know, people went to the theatre and it was kind of different. Um, when I went to watch the Grayson Perry thing at the theatre the other day, I bought two tickets. I couldn't find one person to come with me. So it's just like, right. So I went on my own and I went straight after work and I'm in my trackers in my hoodie or whatever, queuing up and everyone's all dressed up fancy and I'm just on my own like, okay. And I stood out like a sore thumb. I like, I, people, this woman looked at me like, not like she was scared, but like I was going to do something troublesome when I was just going to Oscar the bar for to money. get Thinking, oh, oh, I don't know. It was weird. It was like she was a bit like shook. <laughs> I don't know. I was thinking, fuck's sake, I'm five foot one. I'm a, you know, <laughs> I can do nothing. Um, if there was you and five other artists, Sarah, past and present, what would your ideal group show be? Oh, my God. Right. Okay. Five artists. Harmony Kareen. He's a film director, but he also makes paintings. But I love his whole um, outlook on things. It's it's wacky, but it also, he looks at the lowest depths of society and kind of gives them a spotlight, but makes some humour out of it. So how many Korean would have to be one? Um, Francis Bacon, always loved Francis Bacon. He's amazing. Yeah. I love that most of his paintings were made when he was drunk. I just find that crazy. Uh, Goya, always been a huge fan of Goya. Um, my favourite series would be the, is it Black series? Black paintings? They're my favourite. Um, it's got the, the kind of like creepy guy rip, uh, eating someone's head off. I love yeah. it. We went to Madrid to see them. They're uh, uh, some of my favourite pieces ever. Um, and then, do you know what? I'd have Kurt Cobain in there. Even though he's a musician, I love his drawings. Yeah. Really cool drawings. Like his journals, they made his journals kind of public. I love his work. Um, and then one more. You forgot on the wall. Do you know what? Did I say Lucy and Freud? No. I didn't say Lucy and Freud, didn't it? It's interesting, actually, because I've said a lot of classic painters there. And yeah, who are all from wealthy backgrounds. 
Yeah, and I kind of feel a bit ashamed now. You've changed, even through this fucking conversation, Sarah. Oh, for God's you've sake. changed. Since you said about having an Emma, you've gone all like posh I, on me. I think because what those artists were um, that I named were some of the very first paintings that I actually saw in real life that, that got me interested in yeah. art in the first place before I knew anything about them. And Bacon was one of those for me. You mentioned... You know? at the start that one of your foundations was grief is that grief from a passing uh my siblings yeah my sister yeah she passed away so that that has a lot to do with um my work in terms of mental health um i've really had to get in tune with my mental well-being after that um because it just completely fucked me up massively um all this anxiety stemmed from it, which was brand new to me. Never really been a person who who had to deal with anxiety until until all that happened. So I had to learn new things. I had to delve into the world of um, mental health to understand and try and figure out, you know, all these things, all these new emotions to me, why they were happening. You know, it was uh, it was awful. It was yeah. awful for yeah. It's it was four years ago, and I say the first three years I was a complete mess, for sure. Like she was my best mate, you know what I mean? Like literally, was it my your oldest sister, my oldest sister. Oh, yeah, okay. yeah, wow. yeah, yeah. And she's you know she's left the family behind. She's got kids and you know a husband and stuff. So that's that's also psychologically really difficult to get your head around, and you know it's just a a horrible situation to be in, but. Yeah, turned to drink again, started drinking again, which which wasn't good. I had a bit of time off work, but then forced myself to go back to work after about three months and just try and sort my head out. And it was that's where the It's OK project kind of all happened as well. So started the the It's OK project, not for profit, um, where we what? were making. So it's a not for profit company. Um, and we make zines, which are like little magazines at A5, but they've just got loads of really cool, creative um, artwork, poetry, whatever in there. Um, and the idea is that um, we kind of give this message across that creativity supports our mental well-being. What we don't want it to be was a load of images related to mental health because they could get quite dark. People send you loads of pictures of paintings of people crying. And you're just like, yeah. no, it's not what it's about. It's about celebrating all these creative things and inspiring somebody to maybe pick up a pen, write a poem, a song, or create some artwork. Because I know at, at that point when we were in this world of grief, I couldn't make any art at all. I wasn't, I couldn't, my brain couldn't even function. I wasn't on that level. I couldn't produce anything. And it was really natural how it happened. I just found this way of collecting other people's creative work and harnessing it and, you know, putting it in a, a little magazine. And that's, that's what. And who's happened. that magazine pointed to? Anyone or? Anyone, yeah. But we, we've had a bit of, um, difficulty at the minute just surviving financially so it's actually really hard to run a business <laughs> um 
So, you know, our magazines were never supposed to be profitable. You know, they they helped us get by a little bit, but, you know, then the accountants jump on and they want paying and da 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 and websites and whatever. So we're actually closing it as a financial business soon. And what that means is it's still going to be there. It's still going to survive, but it relieves all this stress off us to make enough money to survive. And we're just going to turn it into an online thing. So like we could still make a zine, a magazine, and then just have the pages on the website. It just seems the the easiest thing to do at the minute. So it's not affecting us because it was kind of, it was becoming really difficult. So we're yeah. just kind of changing it into something else now that isn't money is just out of the question because it's not about that. Money's, you don't want to be thinking about money. Yeah. It's, it's not that sort of thing. Well, the creativity, everyone knows it's a therapy anyway, no matter whether you're doing a, a fine art painting or writing, we're all fucked on a bit of paper. Even if you're not looking as art as a therapy, what it does do, that little bit of concentration while you're creating takes you out of your mental environment and puts you someone else uh, and puts you somewhere else and it's funny I was thinking the other day when I first came across you art wise and I was thinking oh when was it and it was actually at the jealous gallery um Katie Piper exhibition you did because I was interning for jealous gallery and I was serving the drinks that night oh you're joking <laughs> yeah yeah, oh, yeah, you yeah, go. yeah which no. one was it face value what uh, it was it the second one too. Face, that was face my first one at Jealous, yeah. Okay, yeah, it was then. It was then, and I met somebody whose Instagram handles I dream of color. He was fascinating. Right, James Gray. That's right. it. Me yeah. and him got on pretty well. Oh, right, I thought the the exhibition was really inspiring. I loved it. I yeah. thought it was great. It was I a great concept. Was. I love the two people kind of coming together to make some one oh it's yeah. just brilliant and not knowing what mm. each other was and yeah it's a it was yeah. a good, i'm aware it was a good thing but yeah and, <laughs> um, if you weren't an artist what would you like to be hmm wow god that's a question isn't it uh a stay-at-home wife <laughs> what, in, your, <laughs> in your middle yeah. class that's it a middle class house sipping wine during the afternoon um, and then driving off in my Range Rover to collect the kids. <laughs> nah, no, nah, that's not my life. Um, I'd like to work in the countryside. That'd be nice, like a farm or, you know, something. I get bored, and I think that's why I turn to art as well. I have to be doing something with my hands. Um, going back to villages. I have to be making. Mm. Taking a bit of urban creativity into the village life. So it's, it's like the full circle, you know? Yeah, yeah, I like Going that. Going from village like to it. village, like I go to, from prison to prison to try and <laughs> sprinkle on a little bit of um, creativity, you know? It's funny, you don't think about these things until you have these conversations. It's not often you get asked the question, hold on a minute, who are you? What's your artwork about? How did it start? And you're like, oh, right. No, you know, but then it's, it's not it does, often you have that conversation. This is what I've realised doing these. Mm. And I, I see an artist as being on a train track, you know, and it doesn't deviate from that destination. Occasionally, mm -hmm. when you have conversations 
not like this, but when you have conversations with other people who make you think about where you're going, all of a sudden mm. that train track has a little siding where you can sort of pull over, stop, reflect and go, hold on, I could just take a little fucking angle off here and then you go down this new line, you know, a new path and yeah. other ideas come into your mind. And, I definitely um, feel like that's happened recently for me, for sure. I don't know where that other track is going. No. But it's definitely... It's exciting though, isn't it? It's exciting. I, I definitely feel like I've stepped up a gear yeah. and maturing with my art. I do yeah. feel like I'm maturing with my art, for sure. And mm. do you think that is more that you're starting to deal with your grief and your anger because they're very probably combined yeah and it's it's i'd say just understanding it yeah. as well um you know at the time you're grieving and there's all this shit going on you kind of like yeah it's because someone's died and it's real shit of course i feel like this but then you know, it changes, grief changes over time. It's yeah. actually a really interesting thing that happens when, especially when, you know, you love that person so much. It's the more love you have for that person, the more intense it is. And it manifests and it changes over time and, and experiences are different. So I skateboard and that after when I was grieving, I found it really hard to go to the skate park because my brain just couldn't comprehend with that environment. It yeah, it yeah. didn't feel safe anymore. It didn't feel like a safe place of what what it used to be. It it changed, and it's like wow, how something like losing somebody can impact how a space relates to you. Like yeah. it's mad. Mm. And and the thing is, with grief, I'm not a religious person, but if they were looking down and knew mm. that you was living 80% of your waking life being miserable because of their loss, that would make mm. them as miserable. You yeah. Know? It just needs yeah. a little something to find to celebrate their loss or celebrate their, yeah. their, their being. Are you in a better place now? I'd say so, yeah, for sure, for sure, more positive. And maybe I can implement this with the anger that I feel about other things. Maybe I could be like, yay, going angry, come out happy, you see, I've done it with grief. Or even <laughs> meet it halfway and just change your anger for frustration. Yes, yeah, I think so. I think it is changing, for sure. Sarah, how can anyone find what you're doing, be it website or social media? Um, so website is sarahprinsloo.co.uk. Sarah is spelt without a H. Not sure why. My mum says it's the Italian way, but I'm not sure if I believe her. I <laughs> uh, see. I, um, I was always told the Sarah with the H was a bit more refined. Okay, got you. So got you. Birth, it's your mum's fault you've got this attitude. Yeah. I'm not putting a fucking H at the end of your name. Oh, that's why it all stems down to. I finally figured it out. <laughs> Um, yeah, and Instagram is Sarah Prinsloo out. And I've got an exhibition coming up soon as well in um, Barnsley at the Cooper Gallery. One of my paintings is up for the Cooper nice. Prize. Yeah, that? so that's 
October, 27th of October. And the exhibition is actually up for six months. So it's up till April 24th. And um, the It's Okay zine. How can anyone find that? Instagram is It's Okay Proj, spelled O-K-A-Y, and Proj is P-R-O-J. And It's Okay Project co.uk is our website brilliant sarah <laughs> all the very best you're an absolute you know coming out. all right then take it easy enjoy see your later, sunday right, see you later bye 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 well i hope you enjoyed that episode of the ministry of arts podcast it's a podcast that's produced with the help of the listener and if you like what you've heard and you think you might be able to give a little support there's two ways in which you can do it if you go over to the Ministry of Arts Instagram profile, you'll find a Linktree drop-down box. And in that box, you'll find two links. One is called Buy Us A Coffee, and it's pretty much that. You can make a one-off payment the price of a cup of coffee. Or, if you're able and want to do it more long-term, you can become a Ministry of Arts Patreon, where you can sign up to support us on a monthly basis. And 100% of your support goes back into the podcast. And if you're not able to do that, that's absolutely fine. This content is free for everyone. But we would urge you to follow us on your socials and show us a bit of love that way. Either way, thanks for listening and see you next time. Ta-da. Hello, this is Danny Pellegrino, host of the Everything Iconic podcast, and I'm here to tell you all about Splash Refresher, because hydration is mandatory, but boring is not. Now, I love my water, but if I don't spice it up, I'm not going to finish what I took out of the fridge. That's why I love my Splash Refresher, which is flavorful, delicious, bright, hydrating, and zero calories. The wild berry flavor is my fave. No, wait, is the pineapple mango flavor my fave? You know what? All five craveable Splash Refresher flavors are my fave because they're so delicious. So get hydrated and enjoy it with Splash Refresher. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most. But if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.